This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. 14 for 64 in the month of June. Jeff McNeil, who, who flirted with a batting title not that long ago. 14 of 64. Yeah. Uh, oh. there's, there's, there's a lot of guys in that lineup that could help oh. you if they could get going. Uh, Marte is another one. There's a whole lot of empty at-bats there. Uh, Pete Alonso, it's great that he's come back, and he has been good this year, but you could get him to go going again. Um, Alvarez has seemingly cooled off some. There's a Here, lot of guys. Let it's me give it's you some really numbers. been Nimmo and yes. Alonzo and Lindor at times, but Lindor mm-hmm. has not been consistent enough. I know has everybody's not. talking about his RBIs. RBIs are really a product of where you are batting in the order and the fact that you've got – he has he's had Nimmo on a lot. Nimmo's got like a mm-hmm. 380 on base percentage. So if he has a yep. base hit, there's a good chance that Nimmo's going to score. So the, the the RBIs are more of a function of Nimmo's success than Lindor's success. He's hitting 214. That's right, with a 295 on base percentage. Oof, <laughs> that is not. That's a, and again, he's one of the top 10 paid players in baseball. Yeah, we we bring up Stanton's contract all the time. And and it's fair because he's making a ton of money and he's, mm-hmm. he's going to be making it for a while longer. Mm-hmm. Lindor, he's got to get back to where he was last year. This is this has been a major step back this year for him, offensively. It has been. It has been. Uh, Nimmo, uh, three seventy on base percentage. Marte okay. three oh eight. Lindor two ninety five. Alonso three twenty one. But that's skewed. He hasn't played in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fam three twenty seven. He's been hot. he's it's, been it's three twenty one, but his batting average is two twenty five. So he's got a yeah. hundred point swing there. So that's that's pretty good when you're hitting two twenty five. That's what well, he's got. He's got thousand home runs. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> See, that's, what it, yeah. that's what it is. That that skews it. Uh, Alvarez, you mentioned now two thirty five, a two eighty seven on base percentage, even though he had a hit tonight. Uh, McNeil three fifty on base percentage. Kana three thirty eight. He was the DH tonight, by the way. And um, Escobar, 286. But Batty's been playing, so, you know, uh, Beatty's been playing, rather. So, I mean, you know, Escobar, that's why he's not playing. <laughs> 236 average, 286 on base, that, that that's why he's not playing. Yep. Very simple. Uh, and you know what the problem is, is that while the kids did have some impact when they came up, Beatty's impact has not been as – it's kind of cooled off. Alvarez yeah. has cooled off a little mm-hmm. bit. They could really use – it's unfair because they're rookies, and it's really on a veteran team. You would expect the veterans kind of carry them along. Right. But it's almost like they need any, any all hands on deck here uh, for the next month. Well, what happens is the league adjusts to you. Mm-hmm. And now you, have sure. to, now you have to readjust to the adjustments exactly. that the league has Absolutely. made to you. Absolutely. And it's hard when you're a kid, a rookie up here. You don't know. First, second year, what are you doing? You don't know. You, you, you know that's extra time in the batting cage. You know, you got to get back in there and look at a lot of video. Because the, first, they were talking about it on the broadcast tonight, Gordon with the Mets, that when Alvarez came up, they're like, we're not throwing in fastballs. Let's see if you can hit off-speed stuff. And he couldn't hit off-speed stuff. And then when he finally was able to hit some off-speed stuff, then they started coming with the fastball. Well, we know he can hit the fastball. All right? So now what they're doing is they're giving him fastballs up and in. All right? And you can't, you can't get him. <laughs> He's not making contact. He's striking out again. So now once they do that and they get ahead, now they start flirting around with the low and outside pitch and get him to chase. So, you know, once again, it's a constant adjustment. Uh, and for a young player, it's hard. It's hard to know to you know just when you just when the game slows down, speeds back up on you again. 
Yeah, the question I would have, if you're the Mets, let's say the Mets, are they, they, they come back a little bit and they, they play a little bit better and they get to the trade deadline and there's deals to be made, there's guys that are available. Improving the lineup, where would you say the Mets can improve the line? Left field? Is that what they're looking I mean, they really don't have – it's almost like they're in a kind of a tough spot because – who are you taking out to put someone in that spot? Yeah. They, they're kind of locked up everywhere. You, you're not going to change it first. No. McNeil's the second baseman. I guess you could play him in left field. Oh, and, you could. And he has he, been there. He has. Um, if you got a second baseman, um, I guess DH would be a, a, the, the most obvious a major one. spot. Yeah, yeah, you could, you could upgrade the most a DH. Spot. Yeah, that, that would be that, the one. That's number one. And if you're talking about in the field – Gordon, I would say, you know, Connor's okay, uh, but he's not the way he was last year. No, he's not. He's not hit the way he hit last year. So, I mean, you know, the the thing that jumps out at you is DH. But to be honest, I think that the Mets, their focus is going to be the bullpen, more so than the lineup. I believe that they think that the lineup will be okay. We can get through the lineup. This lineup will eventually hit. What we need to do is strengthen our bullpen. And I think you need to do both. We said it last year. It has not changed. You still do not have a DH. You're fooling around. You, 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 you know, you got people there. You're trying to get some people. You're moving them around and trying to figure out who's your DH. Um, you don't, when you're doing that, Gordon, you don't have a DH. So you need to get a DH, somebody that's going to give you some pop and, and, and give you know, Alonzo some protection because – you know, right now, he's it. Lindor, Lindor, home run last night. But once mm-hmm. again, you know, when's the next one? You know, he, he's not he's not gone on that. He hasn't even gone on the two or three weeks, you know, streak that he normally goes on yet. Yeah, you would figure there would be a course correction there. The guy's hitting 214, right? He's not a 214 hitter. He's not, no. a, he's not a power guy. He'll hit some home runs, but his... He's supposed to be a guy who's getting a lot of base hits, a lot of doubles, doing it with his speed, doing it five tools yeah. uh, kind of player. And it's a contact is, guy. Yeah, he is. That, that has not been the case. So you, you, that's another guy. You could certainly uh, – you'd like to think that it, there's going to be a course correction here at some point. And to, to course correct from 214 Ooh. to to 270 – Oh, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. work, Gordon. Yeah, that's a it's lot of work. It's not easy. No. It's not easy. It's not. It, it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, um, you know, uh, John Supa uh, hit us up on Twitter, Gordon, and he talked about the bad pitch to Bregman from Verlander, who, listen, you, you know, there had, no excuses, all right? But there had to be some kind of emotional thing, even for a veteran like Verlander, right? You're facing your former team that you that you picked up your World Series ring from and won the Cy Young Award with. And they know him, Gordon. I mean, they know him. And so, but but that that pitch that he gave to Bregman, it was a fastball up and in, I think it was off the top of my head, but it was a pitch that was in. I know it was a three, I'm pretty sure it was a three-o pitch. And it he it left the yard quick. Yep. And that turned out to be the big difference because the Mets end up coming. It was it was like you said, it was tied. And the Mets the Mets end up getting another run. So, you know, it's 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 everybody makes mistakes. We get that, but he can't. 
<laughs> you know no, what I'm saying? He, he can't to be better than that right you now. Know, you know, it, it's it's and he's still he's still fighting with the off speed, right? He's still getting trying to get people to chase the off speed stuff. So as he did with the Yankees. Uh, the off-speed stuff is to, to the right-hander, it's away. It's out of the strike zone to the going to the uh, left side of the plate when you look from the pitcher's angle, from facing the facing home plate if you're a pitcher. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't, uh, if, if you don't chase it, you're going to get on base and you force him to try to come into the strike zone with the fastball or the changeup. And he threw a lot of curves, as they were talking about during the broadcast tonight, that he threw a lot of curves, Verlander did, against the Yankees, and he started off the same way against Houston. So is he trying to set off speed because he's not sure of the fastball? Or is he trying to establish the curve and then he'll go to the I'm I'm just not sure, you know, what, what his thought process is. And look, they go through he knows the he knows that team like the back of his hand, just like they know him. So he had a game plan, I'm sure, but it's just, you know. Bregman's that guy, though, Gordon. He's always that guy. <laughs> Very punchable that face. He's got yeah. a punchable face. And that, that stadium, it's such a stupid stadium. Oh, it's unbelievable. Oh, I hate that stupid. It's like it's like the miniature golf of, of yes. baseball stadiums. Yes. It should be it a windmill in center field. There should be a clown's mouth somewhere. It's such a stupid you mean to go with the train? train going by. <laughs> stupid wall. So dopey. It is. It is. And it cost the Mets a run because there was a, a fly ball that went to left field that normally in, in, a, in a ballpark that's, you know, you're further back. It's uh, you, you play in because of the fact that, you know, it's a short porch. So why I'm, it's easier for me to go in, to go back a little bit than to come in and make sure nothing gets in front of me. And that's yeah, what happened. The Bregman home run would only have been a home run in 11 of 30 ballparks. <sighs> Unfortunately, that was one of the ones. <laughs> And how about the home. timing of me last night as we're signing off? Oh, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> and you know I have direct TV, so you know I didn't have any information ahead of time. <laughs> Usually that, that I found out an hour later that that was a home run. If you had not told me, I would have not have known. <laughs> Just when we were saying goodnight, Julian was here, Harvey. Just when we were saying goodnight, and I was, he asked me, are the Mets going to win this game? And I are said, they going to hold on to this one, Larry? Hold on to this one. I said, my. At my eyes, toes, and fingers are crossed. And then right when, right after I said that, Scherzer gave up the home run. <laughs> and Gordon laughed off the air. <laughs> Just like that. I couldn't have timed it any better. <laughs> he brings people together. I bring people together. That's what he I'm just about. Does. You know he me. really does. Oh, I know. Believe me, I know. <laughs> 1-800-919-3776. The Rangers have a new head coach, finally. And he spoke. We'll hear what he had to say next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Well, he's someone I wanted to talk to uh, right away um, you know, when the job opened up. And as I said, uh, you know, I wanted a detailed, thorough process. And as Peter said, it's, it's a big job and certainly an important job. And, um, as I went through the process, it just became clear to me all his attributes as a coach and as a person. Chris Drury on why he chose Peter Laviolette as the next head coach of the New York Rangers. And Gordon, he said he got to him right away, but I don't know. (laughs) It took him a while. That's a long process. Carrier pigeon? Uh, How did he get to him? (laughs) Smoke signal? That's a long process. (laughs) Long process. Mm -hmm. Here's Peter Laviolette, excited to be the Rangers head coach. When I was first opened up here, 
to be able to come back to the city of New York and coach a team like this is really exciting. It's, it's a good team and good players, and to get that opportunity, I'm really excited about it. So, um, like I said, it was, it was a thorough um, interview process, and um, it should be. It's to be the head coach of the New York Rangers. All right, Coach, what, what's your game plan for success here? I have been able to find success or some sort of success you know, with a couple of other teams. Um, or even going back to the Islanders where you didn't experience ultimate success, but you took a team that was hadn't made the playoffs in a few years and able to, to drive them and push them. And for me, it's always been a little bit more of an aggressive approach. I, I think that you have to play good defense, and you, you see that for teams that win Stanley Cups. Defense is always a, a priority, and you have to be able to play good in your defensive zone and, and good defense. But for me, it's about the attack. It's about pressuring. It's about puck pursuit. It's about the battle level, the compete level, the grit. It's that grind in the game that makes teams great. And so I think that you can't just flip a switch on that. That has to be that has to be talked about now. It has to be taught in training camp. It has to be worked on through the exhibition games, and it has to be pushed through the entire season. Uh, he sounds Tibbs-like. A <laughs> little bit, yeah. Yeah, Doesn't I can he? Hear, yeah. Got a little Tibbs in him. Uh, before we hear more from Peter Laviola, I want to ask Harvey. Now, Harvey is our resident Devils fan, Gordon. Mm-hmm. And so I want to get his thoughts from the outside looking in because he's seen a lot of Laviolette. He's he's coached every team in the division except the Devils. So, uh, Harvey, what do you think of this move for um, for the Rangers? It was the only move they had to make. He, as Anthony, as I've heard from Anthony Pusick, as a Rangers fan that he is, Chris Drury cannot get this one wrong because this core cannot um, – not get another coach fired, but they won't get another coach. If this core, which is a pretty good core, there's a core that can win 100 points for your team, could possibly win a division if things break right for them. And for Chris Jury, he had to get this one right. For Pierre Laviolette, you're going to get arguably his very best in year one. Who knows where that takes you? This team has been good, at times great, but they haven't been the elite of the of the conference. And with teams like Jersey on the rise, Boston, who was great, Carolina won the division this past year. You had to get this one right. And look, it's not going to be a long stay. Peter usually just um, outstays his welcomes, as he's had with you know every team that he's been through. But his track record speaks for itself. Took the Flyers to the, to the Cup Final, Carolina, um, Nashville as well. He's been great. He just overstays his welcome. The the thing that gets that's gonna um tell itself is will he get the most of uh, guys like Capocaco and Lafreniere and even Panarin because we all know how they are in the regular season, but it's the postseason that matters for this team. Hmm. I told you he sounded like Tibbs. <laughs> We're not his welcome, Gordon. Short stay. <laughs> I did not realize that he, Peter Laviolette, is eighth all time in career coaching wins. Isn't that something? He's coached six years in Nashville, five in Carolina, five in Philly, three in Washington, two as the Islanders bench. I know, but the NHL's been around a very long time. He's eighth? Yeah. 752 wins. He's been around a minute, Gordon. I, I guess. I guess. Yes. So he 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 he's the fix it guy. He comes in, he fixes it. He, he see he fixes it, and then he sees how long he can maybe tweak it 
and then when he's when he's tweaked out, he moves on. <laughs> he takes his bag of tricks and goes elsewhere. You can so, you can actually compare him to Tibbs, honestly. Yeah, yeah, they sound like they sound similar. And the their thought co- process, their coaching everything. careers are a bit parallel as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Kako and Lafreniere, so did Peter Laviolette. Here's what he had to say about two of these guys. Those young players do need an opportunity to grow. They have to be not given, but they have to be given the opportunity to count it on more. And, and I think inside of a team, inside of um, the framework of a team, everybody wants to feel that responsibility. They want to feel valued with what they do. And um, you're talking about a couple players who are coming off, I think, maybe their best years, and they're still really young players. And there's a growth that goes with that. You certainly would like to see them take the next step, more minutes, maybe a little higher up the lineup, maybe more power play time. And so with that, there has to be opportunity. And so um, there'll be, these conversations will take place. I certainly would like that. And um, that, those opportunities will be there for them to, to grab that ice time and, and to push. Speaking of conversations, Coach, have you spoke to any of the players, like Adam Fox or any other of the team guys? Well, I just met Adam Fox, so that was cool. <laughs> um, you know, that I started to make phone calls. It's been, you know, like I said, we went through an interview process that it wasn't about, even though it seemed like it was, it, it was substantial because it was in the newspapers. I wasn't calling players and I wasn't reaching out and I wasn't communicating. And so since I've gotten the job, um, I started to establish lines of communication with the players just to reach out to them um, and get to know them. And then, you know, I always find that when you're in here before training camp and they're going about training and doing their thing, there's always, you know, you're always seeing players and there's conversation and you chat and whatever. You can't coach them or anything like that, but you can start to establish a line of communication and start to develop relationships with the players. And um, then obviously those those relationships build through the course of a year. Peter Laviolette, the new Rangers bench boss. So uh, Gordon is going to be interesting as uh, the winter months come and, and what moves they're going to make because they've got some, they made some moves to try to go for it last season. Uh, their early ouster cost uh, Gallant his job, mm-hmm. and so now we'll see what they what they try to do and what changes they will make. I know Robbie in Massachusetts wants them to be a little bigger. Uh, a lot of fans want them to be, you know, a little little more shoot more, be more aggressive around the net. So we'll see what changes they make under Laviolette. One thing that we know, Gordon, is if he could, if the talent is here. It's just how he's able to move it around. I mean, this was a team that got to the conference finals last, you know, not last year, year before. So talent is there. Uh, if they can make some changes and, you know, get some things going, maybe they can hit back. Yeah, um, you would think uh, it seemed like it took him a little while to fire Gallant. It took him a little while to find Laviolette. Sometimes it takes you a little while to find the right guy. Let's hope for Ranger fans this is the right guy. Absolutely. When we return, we'll take you to the ballpark. We'll take you to uh, Yankee Stadium, and we'll take you to that uh, clown-in-the-mouth park (laughs) in Houston (laughs) that Gordon loves so much. And we'll have an Answers with Aaron. We haven't done Answers with Aaron in a long time. Very long time. We'll do Answers with Aaron next on 98.7 ESPN. Will the Mets hold on to this win, Larry? I got my fingers, eyes, and toes crossed (laughs) as a home run just goes out of the ballpark. Thanks, Gordon. (laughs) A parting shot from Damer. That wraps up this edition of the Dan Grosser Show.
This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN. Freddie and Fitzsimmons at the top of the hour. We go to the ballpark. We try to do it every show on 98.7 ESPN. We begin at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx where the Yankees beat the Seattle Mariners by the score of 3-1 behind their ace, Garrett Cole. The line on Cole... (laughs) He was outstanding. Seven in the third innings, four hits, one run, earned one walk, eight Ks, one hit by pitch. Started and earned his eighth win of the season. Gordon, he's now eight and one with a 2.64 ERA. He's had 106 strikeouts in 99 innings. He's been amazing. Here's the key thing for him, though, which is just, it's crazy. Tonight, was the seventh time this season he started after a Yankees loss. Yankees are 7-0 and in those games with Cole going 4-0 and with a 1.87 ERA in those starts. He's given up nine runs in 43 in the third innings after a Yankee loss. If he's been the stopper. He's been the ace. You can't say anything about Gary Cole this season. Well, look, at, think about it. When Since they've signed him, he has finished second, fourth, and ninth in Cy Young voting and a very good chance. He has not won one in his career. He's come close very uh, a couple of times. Should have won one that last year in Houston. This might be the year that uh, he finally gets over the hump, but he's got to keep it up. Yeah, no question about it. And perhaps, you know, now that Verlander's not in the league, maybe he'll get him another opportunity because <laughs> Verlander got him last year. Exactly. All right, Garrett Cole. This is interesting. We we would normally talk about how good he was and whatnot, Gordon, but it's really about something that went on between him and the Seattle dugout that happened in the seventh inning. Did you see that? I did, sure. Yeah, they were not uh, – he was stepping out a lot of times. Cole was not happy about it. I guess somebody wagged a finger at him. He wagged a finger back. That has to be a meme by tomorrow. I'm sure, I have not <laughs> been on Twitter in the last hour, but I have to assume that that wagging of the finger is going to become a meme. All right, so Gary Cole, what happened between you and the Mariners dugout? You know, their manager was uh, had some choice words for me coming off the field, and he was wagging his finger at me, so I wagged my finger at him. Interesting. Um, so let's talk about the pitch cut, Cole. How has that affected you? Yeah, I just want to make sure that my average going into this season was underneath the pitch clock ramifications. But I think sometimes, you know, delivering the ball at 10, 11 seconds repeatedly, there's more time to be had out there. So just continuing to learn about myself really through the pitch clock and what's the most efficient way to gauge the gas pedal. Now, when I was watching him, Gordon, I noticed that there were times that he would wait to, he almost was like Scherzer, right? He waited till the clock ran down a little bit. And then he got on the mound. What he's trying to do is disrupt the pattern of the hitter. So once again, you're finding pitchers trying to, you know, have some gamesmanship with this clock to make it work for them because, you know, the batters can wait and step out. And what there's, you're noticing what they've been doing is when they get two strikes, they've been stepping out. So Cole trying to do some things and make some adjustments to make the pitch clock work for him. And it seems like, and I think what he said was that it actually helps him slow down, that sometimes he gets in such a work, he works himself up, he starts rushing too much, that so this has actually mm. given him, and and you've seen a lot of guys, uh, Manoa with the uh, the Blue Jays, One, I think one of the reasons why he has struggled, he was always one of the slower pitchers in the league. Uh, and now being forced to, to hurry up has really impacted him. He's had a disastrous season. So Cole has been somebody in the past who's been a little too quick, and we know that he is very particular about certain things, the delicate mm-hmm. genius. 
So the <laughs> fact that he has to slow down a little bit, it has certainly uh, worked for him. It certainly has, and he's been great this year for the Yankees. A guy who Gordon hopes can be great again for the Yankees, Anthony Rizzo. Three hits tonight. Make any adjustments, Anthony? I wish there was, but it's just part of the ebbs and flows of the season. Obviously, getting a first at-bat hit always takes a lot of relief off your shoulders, so felt good. feels good to get a few hits and see him hit, hit grass. As a matter of fact, that first hit, Gordon, he thought was a home run. He, he was able to, to get a double. I had a – I had a um, Donaldson Stanton flashback. Yeah, I had a Donaldson, Donaldson flashback. flashback. Sure, yeah, there's been a couple of them, yeah. <laughs> but as far as Rizzo's concerned, aside from his, his hits, it was Garrett Cole who made the difference. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, going so everything going so fast. You know, I just landed yesterday from France. It's, uh, I'm just, I just feel extremely lucky. That was uh, Wimbayama who yeah, threw out the first pitch. Yeah, safe to say he picked the right sport. He after definitely watching that did. that first pitch. Woof. He definitely did. He was a, uh, he was. Had a little 50 cent in it, you know. Had a little wide uh, right. Baba Booey. <laughs> wide right. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. He went to the mound. That, that yeah. first, that's a rookie mistake. You never yes. go to the mound. Yeah. He probably should have went behind the mound. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It was too close for him. He tried to, you know, he tried to, yeah. It's, it's a tough day. It's a tough day. All right, Anthony Rizzo, how did Gary Cole help you tonight? All right. Um, Anthony, Gordon Anthony Rizzo says, they need every single win right now. Uh, we need everyone, so it feels good to be back home and uh, to set the home scene on a good note. All right. Here's the skipper of the Yankees, Aaron Boone. Skipper, what made Cole so dominant against Seattle tonight? Really good fastball again, which has been kind of a hallmark for him. These last few where he's been really strong, and then the, the cutter and the slider off of that I thought were really, really good and commanded the baseball how he wanted to. Really avoided trouble pretty much the whole night and uh, was just in a good rhythm and command, but I thought it was fastball, cutter, slider that were really strong for him. All right, Skipper, now what's your take on Cole going back and forth with the Seattle clubhouse? You know, their manager was uh, had some choice words for me coming off the New age, pitch clock age. I, I didn't think much of it. All right. Did the umpire tell you anything about it? I don't remember because obviously there was yelling some back and forth at the dugouts. And, and I was like, why are you yelling at us? It felt like they started yelling at us right away. So I, I was just kind of getting clarification on that. All right. Speaking of uh, Gary Cole, Gordon, here's an opportunity for us to play that game that everybody's waiting to hear from you. It's called Answers with Aaron. This is when Gordon has the mind meld with the Yankee skipper. It's been a so while. Gordon, it's yeah, been it's a while. Been a while. But... I, I might be rusty. I might, no. uh, I might be like that Yankee lineup. No, no, no. You can't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You can't be I, that bad. I'd have to start speaking in another language to be that bad, right? <laughs> Worse than that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the Yankee skipper was asked, Gordon, how comforting is it to have Cole Stop the bleeding in this game. How comforting oh, is it to have well, Cole you know, stop you the can bleeding? Count, yeah, that's the beauty of having a Garrett Cole on your side. You you know that uh, you, you call on him every fifth day, and he has been excellent for us every season. He's been excellent for us this year, and it's great to have someone of the likes of, of Garrett Cole that you can count on every fifth day. Skipper, how comforting is it to have Cole stop the bleeding? Answers with Aaron. Definitely nice to hand the ball to him and, and knowing with the Mariners being in here, how well they pitch and, and, you know, Kirby's going to be tough. So to have Garrett go out there, 
definitely comfort in that and, and no one really wanted to obviously get a win kind of stopped the bleeding a little bit and and he went out there and and was in complete control he wasn't complete see just like like you're riding a bike wow sure i mean come on that one was an easy one easy uh by the way the yankees love the mariners since august of 2016 28 and 11 in their last 39 games 13 and 4 in the last 17 games against the Mariners at the stadium. Oh, they should come back. You should come back soon. They're like they're like a more western version of the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> they are. Uh Gordon, let's give you an update on uh somebody I think you might have heard of, but you haven't seen him yet. Carlos Rodon. He exists. He exists. Mm. Had a rehab start tonight in double yeah. A. So Carlos, how'd you feel after your start? I felt sharp after the first. The third, I felt like I started finding myself first time out there in a while. At this point, I'm just trying to execute pitches. That's just the goal. I felt like I, I felt like I was almost just get, kind of getting started, um, kind of finding that groove. But it was good. It was good. I found it in the third. I wish it was out the get go, but that's not how it always works. Uh, what did uh, assess your your performance tonight? Yeah, I thought it showed itself there a little bit. Some swinging miss fastball, um, slider had. They good, they good break on it, and uh, like I said, got some swing and miss. Um, got a ground ball somehow, and you know worked out. All right, so that's Carlos Rodon, Gordon. He double A tonight. Obviously, he'll get a couple more in Triple A, and probably by October you'll see him. <laughs> Just in time. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> right on time. Right on time. Let's head to Houston, where the Mets lost to the Houston Astros by the score of four two. Uh, Justin Verlander was the starter and loser against his former team. He went uh, seven innings, threw uh, 94 pitches, 59 for strikes, gave up eight hits, four runs, all earned, no walks, but five strikeouts. And um, Verlander facing his old former team, frustrated by the early innings. Bit frustrated. Imperial Homer, you know, I, I know Breggy does his homework. Um, just sold out for a heater there, so that's on me. Should should have known a little better. You know, was trying to limit the damage on the big inning there by not walking him. Gave in though, unfortunately. And then the last one really bugs me. Kind of like try to salvage like a decent outing, go seven and three, and feel like you give your team a good chance. And it seems like a lot of the balls that were put in play just found a hole. I mean, some of the hard hit ones early in the night, they found guys and then was kind of settled in and got going a little bit. And the last one really, really hurt. How did it feel facing your former team? Didn't love it. Just so freshly removed from knowing all those guys so well. <laughs> you try to turn that part of you off and just focus on pitching and attacking those guys. And um, they came out on top. It would have been felt great. It would have felt great if we had won. But, you know, this is competition. They, they feel good about it. I don't. All right, let's talk to Jeff McNeil, Gordon. Uh, once again with the Mets, listen, you you felt good about them. You, you struggling. You didn't know what to expect going in facing Houston. They get a win behind Scherzer last night, but they lose tonight behind Verlander. So, Jeff, does it feel like you're doing the cha-cha one step forward, one step back? Like last night was a good night. You know, tonight was not. It's it's tough. You know, we're trying to get on a roll. You know, we need to we need to get hot. We all you know, we want to start winning a lot of ball games and get right back into this thing. So, you know, we need to come ready to play tomorrow. You know, I know we're not happy with how the night went, but gotta come ready to play tomorrow and win a series. Day game tomorrow, by the way, Gordon. A little tidy 2-10 afternoon start down in Houston. Important for the Mets to win that game. They Absolutely. really could use a series win to get pointed in the right direction here. No question about it. Valdez, the line on him. Eight innings, four hits, two runs, both earned. One walk, nine Ks. 94 pitches, 62 for strikes. Buck Walter, what makes him so tough? 
Well, he's got four above-average pitches. One, and I think it's uh, really difficult to recognize spin off of it. You know, that's why you see some good hitters swinging at pitches that you know your first thought is, you know, why are they swinging at that pitch? But you know, the spin is so tight on it, there's a lot of late recognition of the pitch. You know, you don't have that much time. So I think that's something he, that people miss about him is how late the recognition of spin is on uh, his two breaking balls. Well, what did you see from Verlander tonight? Good, good. A lot of soft contact except for the you know ambush on the 3-0. He was solid, pitching a sticky hot night and held his stuff for uh, seven innings. And, uh, you know, Brig came in and bent a little bit but gave us a chance. But uh, our shortstop made a couple of big plays even in the last inning, which could have got some things going our way. But, no, well-pitched game, really well-pitched on both parts. Well, Alvarez seemed to hurt himself rounding second base in the um, in the eighth inning. What happened? Going to read bad throw high throw the plate instead of playing halfway. He tried to get back and, and rolled his uh, his knee a little bit. Pretty sure it was me. That's what he uh, was talking about. But uh, felt fine. Omar's scheduled to catch tomorrow anyway, so I give him two days. All right. So he got hit on the hand the other night. Gordon rolls his knee tonight. Yeah, he needs a couple of days. And that one with the hand seemed like it might really be serious at the time. So yeah. um, it probably would not be a bad idea, with, especially with the day game tomorrow, to give him a couple. Gordon, I got to tell you, that kid Pena at shortstop, he is a heck of a player. He made some plays tonight. The play he made on Alonso was outstanding. Outstanding. He, he Buck is right. He, uh, he cost the Mets a couple of runs tonight. The Astros do the business of baseball pretty well. You know, the whole, whole field, development, scouting, all that stuff. And and they're not a team that goes out and signs major free agents. So they have uh, they are probably the model organization in the American League, like the Braves are the model organization in the National League. And uh, neither team can seem to beat either of those teams. <laughs> Can't seem to beat them. Can't seem to beat them. That wraps up. Taking you out to the ballpark here on 98.7 ESPN. We'll come back. Gordon and I will wrap up this edition of the show with our thoughts on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. People, the ESPN New York Beach Bash hits the Jersey Shore Friday, June 30th at Bar A in Lake Como for two live broadcasts and appearances from DiPietro and Rothenberg, who will uh, give away the All-American Ford Bronco. It all kicks off with Barton Hahn live at noon, followed by the Michael K. Show from 3 to 7 with giveaways for fans in attendance and music from the Moroccan Sheep Herders. Is Don going to sing with the Moroccan Sheep Herders? I think so. I think so. Do the Moroccan sheep herders know that Don's going to sing with the Moroccan sheep herders? It doesn't matter. Don will handle things when he gets there. This is the important part. It's all brought to you by Patron Tequila, Stoli Vodka, Bet MGM, All-American Auto Group, Calandra's Bakery, and Flight by Yingling. You have to be at least 21 years of age to enter. Well, I don't know if that's considered singing, but Don will do that. You go. All right. Don LaGreca, ladies and gentlemen. That's more of a warning for the Moroccan sheep herders. <laughs> Don, no, Don right, now, will you be making an appearance, Larry? Uh, to be determined. To be determined. To be determined. I, will, I will say this right now. I will be making an appearance for the show. Wow. You, you, 
I consider you much like, uh, was it Gary Maddox back in the day? Two-thirds of the world is covered by water, the other third by Gary. You have gone to the city. You do Long Island. You get Queens. The least I can do for the show (laughs) is to show up in something in Jersey, considering that's where I live. So if you you are not able to make it, have no fear. Our show will be represented. Oh, bringing people together again. That's what I do. Boy, I'm telling you. I can't wait to see the look on people's faces when I show up. (laughs) What are you doing here? (laughs) Hey, it's what's-his-face. What's-his-face is here. No, no. Did that happen at at, uh, MetLife when we we were there? Did Uh, not. No, it did not happen there. Did not. If anything, you were hiding from people because you wanted to leave. I wanted to get out of there as soon as that third quarter ended, Larry. I looked at my son. I said, let's go. It's at the road. He said, why? It's still a game. No, it's not. Let's go. By the time we got back to the car, the Jets had two more touchdowns. Uh You have a feel for these things, don't you? I do have a feel. I know how these things go. I know how these things go. But I will be there in Lake Como at Barre a week from Friday. Nice. That's good. Very good. Very good, and we'll. I'll, I'll give you a decision. We're trying to move some things. So I'll give you okay. a decision next week. We'll, we'll, I'll know by next week whether I will be joining you. That sounds good. Well, look, I, I would be lovely for you to be there. Mm-hmm. But if you can't be there, I want to let you know. You know what? Once in a while, I'll pick up a little bit of the slack in terms of our show, <laughs> and actually give you a day if you need it. I appreciate but it would be that great to there. see you. It's always great to see you. Always great to see you, Gordon. When's the last time we talked Jets? been a while okay so we're due yeah right now so we're going to talk jets so somewhere in the tri-state area buddha and mrs buddha are rolling uh, he's rolling his eyes and about to drive off the road uh-huh because we're going to talk jets you know how he feels about the jets right now oh i can hear him now oh <laughs> god right <laughs> adam Schefter has his Schefter podcast you know mm-hmm. and he was chatting with dalvin cook on the Schefter podcast and he says cook would be a good fit for one Jets drive. I'll tell you a team that makes sense, in my opinion, that makes sense for Dalvin Cook moving forward, that would be the New York Jets. They have Brees Hall coming off a torn ACL. I don't know if he's going to be full go as this season gets underway, but their schedule is unforgiving. They open the season with the Bills on Monday night, play the Dallas Cowboys, the New England Patriots, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Broncos, and then the Eagles. It's a murderous start of the season for the Jets. They're going to need help in the running game. Wouldn't a guy like Dalvin Cook make some sense for the New York Jets as we record this today on Monday, June 19th? I don't know what level of interest the Jets have. I know there are other teams that are interested. We've heard a lot about the Miami Dolphins, but it wouldn't surprise me if he stayed in the AFC East because there are other teams there that can use his services. We'll see what he ultimately decides to do, where he chooses to go, but Dalvin Cook is still out there. Schefter also says that Cook has a preference. Listen. Everybody knows who D-Hop is. Like, you know what you're getting out of D-Hop, and you know what he's going to bring to your roster. And it's the same for me. Like, you know what the film speaks for itself. Like, I don't really got to do too much, you know, talking about who Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins is. But we haven't talked. And he was one of those guys that I was going to reach out to because, like, I know he got the same mindset as me. Like, we trying to go win. We trying to get on the roster and trying to go contend. So if we can't end up on the same roster and be on the same team, you know, that would be the beauty of the situation. You know, you, we know what we're trying to come do and what we bring to the team. So if we end up on the same roster, man, that would be something epic for NFL. Well, he ain't going to be on the <laughs> – Hopkins is not going to be on the Jets roster. <laughs> so I would not think so. So if Cook is coming here, he's coming without DeAndre Hopkins. 
Well, I would think I, the the interesting thing for me for Cook because he's the running back, he has to kind of go into it knowing he's not going to get paid wherever he goes. So you would right. think a winning situation would be mo- mean more to him than anything else, considering the money is going to be what the money is. Yeah, especially as a running back, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not making money. This just in, right? You're not making money. You're not. Gordon, I got to be honest with you. I, I think he'll. I think Miami has a better chance of him than the Jets. Well, he's tweeted out pictures or put up pictures on Instagram about Miami, and there's definitely been some interest there. There's been a lot of talk even before he was released. Uh, I don't think that that's necessarily the the biggest need for the Dolphins, uh, although their running game is is not uh, what you would say a a real staple. Mm -hmm. To me, the Jets Jets are fully in on this season. So when you're fully in, don't be halfway in, be fully in. So I I do think that Dalvin Cook would make sense for the Jets, but it would have to make sense money-wise, and I don't know – what money they still have available, considering they still got other things to do, like Quinn and Williams. Yeah. Well, what does what does Aaron Rodgers say? Has anybody asked Aaron Rodgers if he wants a Dolphin? He's too Cook busy on his going team? to Broadway shows and award shows and this show and that show and concerts and everything else. He's Mister New York, isn't he? he? Very quickly, I think he's running for mayor next. He's <laughs> he's everywhere. Well, listen, I don't think there's a lot to do in Green Bay, and he's been there a long time. <laughs> well, I'll just say this. If it, works, if, if, if it works with the Jets, it's fine. But once upon a time, Odell went on a boat trip, and he's never heard the end of it. Yeah. yeah. So well, that's because he, he took too many of his teammates with him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He should have went alone. <laughs> if you perform, nobody will care. But that's you better right. perform. Absolutely. All right, my friend, be good on the radio tomorrow with the updates. I'll see you tomorrow night. Sounds good, Larry. That wraps up this edition of ESPN New York Tonight. We thank you for joining us. As I mentioned, we'll be on following Dan Grasa tomorrow night from 10 to midnight. We'll recap the Mets and Yankees to see what's going on with the trade rumors. Julian Harvey, thank you very much. Freddie and Fitz next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.